0: Welcome into this edition of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, alongside my trusty sidekick, Mister Ben Metz. Uh, welcome in, man. Uh, kind of the first episode here, video style. So uh, you know, I think uh, growing pains or something will probably be uh, be used to and having. But uh, excited to have you on here, and excited to talk a little sports. Been a minute.
1: Yeah. Hey, I tell you, it's it hadn't been long since you and I were calling football games together. And uh, you can already tell I'm a team player. Look at the grind shirt, brother. I'm ready.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't have a press conference where you could hold the jersey up, but yeah, yeah. Got you, got you invested. But uh, a lot to uncover today. Uh, first and foremost, this is kind of the new medium that we're going to have. So it will be a YouTube channel, probably uh, first and foremost. But we will post these these videos to Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and then we're working Apple podcast and, and Google play music or Google Podcasts. They, they kind of uh-huh. go by both, but, um, it will also be on SoundCloud, but all of those things will be uploaded, um, on hopefully a weekly basis, but it will be more video focused, uh, and, and just really try to, uh, as we did, uh, previously when we were on WKVL back in, uh, in basically 2018 through 2022, uh, just. You know, it's our opinion, and you know, I always said I never uh, promised to be right. I just always promised you to give you my opinion, so uh, that won't change. It'll just be at a different uh, different perspective, but uh, uh, really going to focus on, as the title down here uh, kind of would lend you to think, uh, it's going to be bowl games, uh, coaching changes, and a, a little segment I like to call What the because uh, a lot of things have went on with Tennessee. Uh, The last little bit, uh, whether that be Hendon Hooker, whether that be a 10-win season, uh, whether that be a a New Year's Six Bowl game, uh, all those things have kind of unfolded since we kind of went dormant uh, back in mid-year. So, uh, again, 2023 hopes to be a a stronger year for us as we've kind of found new footing and want to move forward. But, again, you can see the ticker at the bottom, like, follow, subscribe, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But, uh, Ben... Kind of to jump right in there, college football playoff, New Year Six Bowls have been set, uh, again, as a Tennessee fan. I think there's some chapped moments in all of, of that. Uh, of course, the South Carolina debacle that that kind of kept us out of the college football playoff. But, but again, uh, with the turmoil that happened on Championship Saturday, Tennessee, uh, an Orange Bowl bid, uh, playing another orange team, uh, Clemson, Tennessee, In the orange ball, all of those uh, all those items got got to make you feel good. Yeah,
1: overall, what an exciting season! You know, ten and two, um, and we had a quarterback that had accomplished so much for us. Um, So we had a lot of a lot of successes this year. Um, And towards the end of the year, you touched on it briefly, Wayne. We had a little bit of controversy here at the end of the season. Um, That South Carolina game, I think, for any Tennessee fan that's going to be a game that, uh, you know, it will haunt us for years to come. It's something that what could have been uh, will always be in the back of our mind for the 2022 season.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't perceive to, or I don't want anybody to think I memorized anything. I have a cheat sheet here just like anybody else would. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, college football playoff games, I mean, they're pretty easy. It's TCU in Michigan. They're going to play in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and then it's, uh, it's Georgia and Ohio State. In the Peach Bowl, which uh, again should be a home game for the Dogs, but uh, you know I don't I don't really have a problem with any of those four teams. Uh, just because of uh, log- logical metrics, tell me that that's at the end of the day whether I like them or don't. Because TCU, I still feel like uh, they're they're kind of a play pretty. Uh, they're they're kind of made of glass. If they hit the the wrong thing too hard, they're going to break. Uh, but uh, they weathered the storm. They got through the the season. Uh, regular season unscathed, and then and then dropped their championship game. So uh, I can understand them being there. Michigan, uh, a Big Ten team. I think anybody who knows me knows my opinion of that. But uh, they they made it through their season unscathed, really dominated in their championship game. Uh, they, they deserve to be there. Uh, Georgia, best team in the country, I think bar none. I think it's really Georgia. And then there's a few ticks in that rung before you even get to number two. Uh, and then Ohio State just to been a factor of uh, one playing in a pretty weak conference, not having to play on Championship Saturday, and um, and and some people helping them out along the way. So I think it's still the four best teams, just based on uh, numerical, you know, number of losses. Uh, I do think Tennessee's the fifth best team in the country, but they don't really ask me. I don't get votes, but uh, that's why I talk here because yeah. they uh, they can't stop me. But. Uh, <laughs> But here's the thing. I, I like the four uh, – I think that is the four best teams. I like the order of the games because inevitably uh, you're either going to have a Georgia-Michigan uh, game, which I think is, a, is is probably a really strong uh, – I think that could be a really defensive matchup. I think quorum being out for Michigan is going to really impact how they can play offensively. Uh, but – or, you know, if, if Ohio State could shock the world, you have a replay – of the uh, the game, if you will, the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry.
1: Yeah, and you know those those four teams, I think, are the four teams that should be in that picture. Um, I think, from a fan's perspective, a, a little part of me during the SEC championship game, I sat there and thought, "Man, wouldn't that be great if uh, Michigan played Ohio State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl?" And what if in the Peach Bowl, Georgia played Alabama? Like, could you imagine that matchup, you know, leading up to the national championship game? Georgia, Alabama on one side, and then a rematch of Ohio State-Michigan on the other side. I just thought that would create such a stir and such a buzz. But, you know, with Ohio State, they took that 45-23 to thrashing by Michigan at home. Um, And for them to take such a small drop in that in that picture but it is reminiscent of their team in 2014 you know you know back in 2014 uh they were 12 and 1 after winning the big 10 title game they lost jt barrett and then they <laughs> the College football playoff there. and they won the whole thing so you know maybe maybe uh, maybe it's rem- a little reminiscent of what they did back in uh, 2014 maybe there's a reason why they're back in it
0: yeah. You'll, you'll learn quickly, uh, in this, in this forum, Ben, I'm a little more unbridled. Uh, there's two things missing from that Ohio state team. You know, that, you know what those are? What's that urban Meyer and Cardell Jones. <laughs> they, <laughs> there's not a big headed quarterback on the sideline this year. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, the uh, the bar frequenter himself is not on the sidelines. So, yeah, uh, I sometimes, I, I'm with you. I sometimes think that Ryan Day is
1: the benefactor of Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm yeah, not he, trying to yeah. say he's not a good coach or he's he's not uh, – I'm not trying to downplay his ability to coach football. Um, I just – you know, when Urban Meyer was coaching there and some right. of those close games, like when he played against Penn State or Michigan and, and real – Tight knit games, Urban Meyer, that X's and O's came into play, you
0: know? Yeah. And, and, and really, uh, I always make fun of Ryan Day because I think he looks like a bearded Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. But, uh, uh I'll say this I, I think, uh, and, and, and as Tennessee fans, I think we can relate. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt looks like a great uh, defensive mind, uh, when he had Alabama's talent. And then when, uh, he had what we had left over from the Butch Jones era, um, it wasn't the same. Let's just say that. So I'm not saying Ryan Day can't coach football at the college level. I'm just saying it's real easy when you have you know 20, 30 plus uh, NFL draft picks on your roster. I yep. think you don't have to really give them tight details. You can say go catch the ball, and it works. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I know I don't know if you picked it up, but uh, I uh, I gave TCU no chance of beating Michigan in that in that semifinal game, and really. It's because they're they're kind of a one trick pony. They're their quarterback, who is a Heisman finalist. We'll talk about that later. Uh, he's a, he's special. He he really is a uh, uh, as my as my father in law would call it a Billy Joe Tom Bob. He's a he's a guy that's really not tall enough. He's not big enough. He shouldn't really be doing what he is. But at the end of the day, he just keeps winning football games. And so I think you can't count that that element out. But what I think he's not going to run into in this college football playoff game is he he's not playing a Kansas. He's not playing an Oklahoma State. He's playing a Big Ten champion in Michigan. And really a Michigan team that that through some attrition and through some building, and I'll give Jim Harbaugh some credit here, he's built a tough football team. They're they're by far, I would I would classify them the toughest Big Ten team uh, you know, in in that conference.
1: Yeah, and and you touched on it. TCU has not played a defense like this all season long. This is this is a defense that um, is is arguably one of the best in the country. And and you know as fans, we want to see them face that Georgia defense. But uh, another statistic that really hit home to me, Wayne, is that uh, this rushing attack um, that that Michigan has—they're going to be salivating because TCU gives up you know right now nearly 150 yards per game they've also given up 21 rushing touchdowns on the year those backs for Michigan have to be uh, uh be you know looking at that film going look this is an opportunity to really gain some gain some ground on the on the, on the rush this season
0: yeah and, and one thing that you know obviously TCU is a little closer to uh Arizona uh, than Michigan is so i mean it will be less travel so maybe more TCU fans out there I, I think Michigan's kind of a rabid fan base, so I I think they'll make the trip, but uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, Just a little side note, obviously, with the bowl season games progressing week by week, uh, we probably won't be making any picks here today uh, as uh, things are changing. People are opting out of bowl games uh, almost daily now, and so really, uh, if I make a pick today, I'll probably change my opinion by tomorrow, so... Uh, Not necessarily a a place to do it here today. We're just talking about the matchups, the games that are. Uh, The other New Year's Six Bowl games, and kind of some intrigue around those, uh, Goodyear Cotton Bowl, uh, number 16, Tulane, number 10, USC. Uh, There's just something about Tennessee and and Tulane being good in the same season. I don't know if it was you and I or or somebody, but we were talking about, uh, you you know, the last time Tulane was good. You know when that was? When? 98. I look it up. Uh, Tulane was undefeated in 1998. But uh, uh, USC, uh, they dropped their uh, their Pac-12 championship game. That's what kept them out of the playoff. Uh, Tulane's got everything to play for USC and their uh, their fingernail polished quarterback. Uh, they do not have something to play for. And, and so I think that's going to be the tell of the tape right there. It's in Jerry's world. It's in Cowboy Stadium. So I mean, it's I mean, it's it's as far away from... It's going to be as different of an environment as Southern California as you can get. And uh, I think Tulane, uh, they're just happy to be there. And Southern Cal, uh, it's, a, it's a consolation game for them.
1: And let's be honest, this is like a blind date. Willie Fritz and Lincoln Riley, these two programs, uh, they haven't faced each other since 1946. The series is tied at two apiece. Uh, so... You know, they both play very similar styles of offense and defense. So I, there's a lot of uh, appeal to this ball game because of, of there being such little history to it. Uh, and then also you got two coaches with very similar styles of, of coaching the ball game.
0: Yeah, I really think it's going to be one of those football games that I'm like, I want to watch it, but I really don't know why. Uh, <laughs> because it's. I don't think it's going to be a very good football game to watch because I think both of them have uh, – Obviously, Tulane doesn't play in a huge conference, uh, so they necessarily haven't seen the week-in, week-out grind that we're used to and really what, you know, should earn a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, but they've, they've weathered the storm. They've gotten through their schedule. USC, like I said, dropped the Pac-12 championship game, really kind of define their uh, their placement. So I would venture to say they may have some opt-outs here uh, and really give Tulane a good good shot to win this football game. Uh, likewise, kind de- of you know, piggyback off that, the Allstate Sugar Bowl, uh, the Superdome, we'll see Kansas State, uh, the Big 12 champion, uh, take on the uh, second highest ranked SEC opponent not in the playoff, uh, Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Only the second time in the CFP era that the Crimson Tide's not playing in the, uh, the round of four for a chance at a national championship, uh, 19 players off this Tide squad. I have entered the transfer portal, and that's as of today. Uh, and then, like I said, Kansas State has all the momentum, as it's the uh, it's a good game for them, and Alabama feels like they just fell short.
1: Yeah, and rumor, initial rumors that are are out there across different media outlets is that Bryce Young and Will Anderson will not be playing in that ball game, or that there's a slim chance that they'll play in that ball game, which that gives you know the fan an opportunity to see the future that Ty Simpson um and, and others that will be on full display for university of alabama so excited excited to see that if that does come to fruition
0: yeah uh i may be wrong but i think ty simpson's in the portal or is being uh, rumored to be in the portal it may be that uh, i can't remember the backup's name i think it's like chudwig or something
1: I think I think I saw a number
0: of 19 or 20
1: Alabama football players in the portal was it was that Yeah
0: this is this is a team that's mailing it in. Uh if you look over the 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 Saban history uh, especially in the CFP era uh, when they're not playing for a national championship they get beat a lot. Uh mm-hmm. they got they they were beaten by Utah team a few years ago. Uh, I think they were smoked by I want to say it was like a Washington team a couple of years ago when they didn't play in the national championship, and again, not because they weren't a good football team, but because they had 20 plus kids that didn't play in it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and and again, I'm not that debate I could go on for hours and hours, and this is meant to be short segment show. Uh, yeah. But I I, don't, I just uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's Alabama's game to play right now. Well, one stat to throw out
1: there, Wayne, just to build off what you're talking about, three teams in the SEC that have the most players in the transfer portal as of today, Alabama, Arkansas, and Texas A&M. And, and when I look at that list, I get the Alabama. I, I understand that because you've got multiple players that were highly recruited at the time um, to go play football in Alabama. Maybe they're not getting playing time and looking for a school where they can get some some PT. But where there's smoke, there's fire. Texas A&M you know what's going on down there they didn't have a great football season I think there's some concern from some of those players this isn't quite what we thought it was going to be Arkansas I'm really shocked by that they didn't have a terrible season but you know I thought that you know with with coach Pittman maybe maybe there was some positive things going there but starting to see a lot of guys from Arkansas start to hit that portal so it's going to be interesting this offseason to watch how that how that uh, unfolds, my friend.
0: Right, and I, I would be surprised. Uh, I haven't looked at Arkansas again. I, I sent there's a if you can Google it, uh, there's an SEC uh, uh, transfer portal tracker. I sent that to you. Um, I would I would venture to say with Barry Odom taking the UNLV job, uh, mm-hmm. that some of those portal guys are going to follow Barry, especially defensive guys. Because, uh, I mean, he, he is a, uh, I mean, he's kind of a defensive force a little bit. Uh, honestly, when, uh, before we hired Tim Banks, I was like, I'd probably take Barry Odom. But uh, the last New Year's Six Bowl, the Capital Orange Bowl, it's the Orange Bowl, and both teams' main color is orange. I mean, it doesn't get any more Orange Bowl than this one. Tennessee, number six in the country, taking on number seven, Clemson, champions of the ACC. Uh, Tennessee, first 10-win 10 season uh, in a good minute. Uh, again, Josh Heupel in year two uh, with really uh, still very much a banged-up, limited roster, uh, able to do what he did this season, really uh, a, uh, a debacle at South Carolina away from being in the college football playoff. But, again, you can't go back. You can't win it for them. And so, at this rate, the Orange Bowl, Miami, uh, uh, the game that actually as a player Josh Heupel won the national championship at Oklahoma in this game uh, back in 2001. So it's a game that means a lot to Heupel. I think for the Tennessee program, this is a team that a year ago played Purdue in the Music City Bowl. So uh, again, a very elevated location. Um, Haven't had opt-outs at the moment. Uh, Josh Heupel in his game press conference said he expects the majority, if not a full roster, to go to Miami with the team. So I think could there be a Cedric Tillman? Uh, could Jalen Hyatt still be weighing his options? Darnell Wright, uh, I think those guys are, are probably the ones he's, uh, he's taking out of that complete number. Um, but uh, Cedric Tillman didn't play the better half of the, the second part of the season. Uh, I think Darnell Wright, although a good player, um, I don't know that I would consider him locked down. I just do think he has a pretty good NFL prospect. Uh, but then uh, Jalen Hyatt, that's the that's the trigger, man. I, I, I don't know that uh, I like not having him down in Miami. But uh, uh, again, kids got to do what he's got to do. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, this game, um, what I'm interested to see from South Car- or from Clemson's side is how are they going to react after that loss to South Carolina? How are they going to play? Uh, You know, are they going to be motivated to play in a game in a bowl game that that doesn't have national title at the end of the at the end of the four quarters? Um, So I'm interested to see how they how they react uh, from from Clemson's side on the Tennessee side. um, Finish what you started. I think I think you're going to see a Tennessee football team, um, especially after that Vanderbilt game. Uh, that has shown us in the past couple of weeks, you know, especially putting up 60 plus against Vanderbilt, that they've come together and they are gonna they're gonna finish what they started. A 10 and two season with an Orange Bowl um, there at the end of the at the end of the ball game. So very excited to see it. And uh, you touched a little bit about who's gonna play, who's not. Um, just to reiterate what you're saying there. There's there's talk that Tillman will not. Uh, there's talk that. Darnell Wright will not, uh, but nothing, none of that has been confirmed. Um, there has been some uh, media reports that Nico Ilamueva will be in pads for that game. Um, so that's kind of created a stir uh, that he will dress for that football game. Uh, but I, I, none of that is, is official. I think it's an interesting storyline. Um, yeah, so we'll just kind of see how that goes.
0: So I definitely think, I think Nico's going to get some practice. Uh, I don't know. He he won't technically be a student. I don't know if he can wear pads during the bowl game. He's a, but anyway, I don't, if, if he beats out Joe Milton, we got bigger problems if he can do it in bowl practice. But, uh, uh, I think, uh, I'm intrigued by what the, the new year six looks like for Tennessee, just because, uh, a meaningful bowl game. Uh, it's been a good minute, uh, Next up, kind of move on with it. Uh, Shocker! I'm taking longer than I expected to talk about a topic, but uh, rest of the bowl season, I call them non-big time bowls. I I mean, there's a blue million of them. If you if you had a dead cat and slung it over your head, you'd hit ten bowl games right now. But uh, uh, give me a couple. I've got a couple. I'll let you go first. Uh, Tell me a couple of uh, big time like non-big bowl games, non uh, New Year's Six bowl games that intrigue you and why
1: well the first one um that i'm i you know i keep looking at is the uh the the gator bowl uh between Notre dame and uh south carolina um this is a game the tax layer bowl um this is a game that both these teams have had their ups and downs uh this football season uh Notre Dame more so on the downturn, and South Carolina's caught kind of on a, on the upturn. Uh, Spencer Rattler uh, will play in this ball game. He's already uh, communicated that. Still, some question about Notre Dame's tight end, Michael Mayer, um, who he's draft eligible, whether or not he plays or not. Uh, but both of these teams have had, had some success this season. And it's a very interesting matchup because uh, the style of play. From South Carolina side, they run that run-pass option, and uh, they are they are very strategic in hitting their seams, um, and and exposing the secondary to allow for more runs to the center of the field. And Notre Dame, from a defensive perspective, they have a lot of uh, uh, they run typically a four-three defense. And you'll see a lot of pressure on the outside. You'll see them bring a lot of blitz packages. So I think it'll make for a good football game.
0: Yeah. Uh, any any other games that really, really flip the trigger? That's that's the big one for me. What do you got? So I've got two. And one is only because of the the kind of a future topic, the coaching carousel piece. Uh, so the first one uh, is strictly because of that. And it's the Cincinnati and Louisville Bowl game. And the reason I say that is because uh, Satterfield uh, left Louisville to go to Cincinnati, uh, so they're, that two team he he was going to be at the game either way, but now he's going to be visiting his new squad on the Cincinnati sideline. Secondly, uh, Louisville's going to be hyped because they're uh, they uh, I would say their golden son, if you will, uh, Jeff Brom. Uh, just earlier this week uh, was it rumored, and now has been announced as the next head football coach at Louisville. Uh, going from Purdue to Louisville, uh, in in East Tennessee, I'm going to call it lateral. It's probably a wash, but he probably got a bigger pay bump. But <laughs> um, I just think that game's intriguing because, really, uh, Cincinnati loses Luke Fickle, uh, Louisville loses Satterfield. So you think it's kind of a, uh, a weeping bowl or, or somebody that, uh, you know, let's just get it over with, get the new coach in here and go. But now, Satterfield being at Cincinnati, if I'm Louisville, I'll lay it on the line to try to beat them guys now. And then with Louisville, uh, they kind of got all the momentum. Jeff Brom's coming home. So, uh, yeah. not, that, uh, not that Cincinnati's new uh, new situation may not be good. It's just Luke Fickle had you in the mix a year ago. Uh, now he's at Wisconsin. And so, a lot of that, uh, that that game is intriguing to me for only the off-the-field issues, how it impacts their on-field play. And then the second one is the cheese It Bowl. Uh, it's Oklahoma and Florida State, and the reason the reason that game intrigues me is because of this. I mean, I think Mike Norvell, uh, he's got Florida State kind of winning some games, and then they'll kind of peter out, and then they'll win a couple games, and then so they're kind of trying to get back right. Uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, I think an understatement to say that they've struggled a little bit in uh, in uh, what's his name. I just went blank. But their, their first-year head coach, uh, Brent oh, Venables, Venables. Uh, yeah. his first year has not been the uh, honeymoon that he would have wanted in Norman. Let's just say that. And yeah. so the fact is, is he's got to try to keep the wheels on this thing. And then Mike Norvell is going to kick and scream and claw his way just to try to say, hey, Florida State's right here because it's right on the heels, uh, right on the tail end of the uh, the, the, the December signing class. And it could really bolster a strong February for him. So I think this game has, uh, even though it's the cheese It Bowl, and maybe one of the coolest out of the box crackers. I think on this game day, it means a lot for both these programs. If if Venables loses, he may be on the hot seat in year two. If uh, Norvell wins, they could be they could be preseason ranked next year.
1: Yeah, well said. I mean, it's it's some whenever you've got that much pressure in a ball game for both of these coaches, uh, you know, you get in those fourth down and short situations, Wayne, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to make some risky decisions um, early in a ball game. If there's a lot on in the bounce.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to just mow through the, the segments here. And again, uh, if you're just joining us, if you're like, what is this show? Well, it used to be a radio show there in, in Maryville, Tennessee, uh, but now it is nationwide, worldwide. It's anybody that wants to click the button, and the grind on sports will be on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, at the grind on sports or Twitter because they don't allow enough characters. The grind o sports. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll also have uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, SoundCloud. It's just it's going to be in a lot of locations. But uh, like, subscribe, hit the bell icon, and you can get it when we when we give it, you can get it. Uh, the next subject here, uh, we're going to go uh, coaching carousel onboarding and offboarding, and that just means hiring and firing where we're from. But, uh, you know, I think there's just been a ton of movement. Uh, you know, obviously the leash or the chain, if you will, for coaches is as short as it's ever been. I think the Nick Saban effect, as I like to call it, has really upped that clock, and honestly, I think hypo has really um, – I mean, he's put his mark in there, too, that what you can do in two years if you have the right system, you create the right culture, et cetera, et cetera. But there's been a ton of movement uh, at a lot of different schools. Like I said, Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati. Satterfield leaves Louisville. Braum has now left Purdue. Uh, A lot of people getting fired, obviously. Um, A lot of people coming out of year one already on the hot seat. We talk about Sam Pittman. I think next year he's going to need to produce. I think uh, oh boy at uh, um, what's his name at uh, Florida. I try not to remember him, but uh, yeah, he is. He's going to have to do something in year two. He really Anthony Richardson uh, falling on his face is a uh, is an understatement, uh, but he did. Uh, so I think he's going to have to do his thing. Uh, uh, what's his name? Chadwell Jamie Chadwell at Coastal. Uh, he left and took uh, took. Uh, he took the Liberty job. Uh, Hugh Freeze is at Auburn. Uh, I uh, Tell me about a, a team or a school, an athletic department that has Hugh Freeze and uh, Bruce Pearl on it. Uh, tell me that's not one that uh, has a heck of a compliance department. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess when you look at it, uh, what do you view and Dion's at Colorado? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that if you have turned on a sports channel in the last week, you know Dion's at Colorado. You know what Jackson State thinks about him being at Colorado, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in, in your eyes, what's the best coaching hire to this point in this in this cycle, if you will, this year? So for me,
1: I think the hire of Dion Sanders to Colorado is is probably, in my opinion, the best hire that was made. He's the flashiest guy that's out there. Um, I think Dion uh, knows how to, you know, I've watched a couple of his videos where he's communicated to to his previous uh, players and to his current players. Um, I think he knows how to get through to young men. I think he knows how to motivate without a doubt. I think he knows how to coach the game of football. And I think he can draw uh, young men to come play football at Colorado. I think the question that's going – I mean, he had two seasons at Jackson State. And in that brief period of time, he put a program together and was very successful. And then he jumps to a Power 5 school this year. Um, I don't know if that's going to be his landing pad long term. I mean, we've heard the uh, athletic director say, well, we don't necessarily have the money to pay him right now. Um, but I love that. Yeah, I think that if he shows any kind of success um, at Colorado, you'll start to see other schools come after him. And uh, so I think he's he's my – he's I think he's the biggest hire. I'm also a little bit intrigued about Luke Fickle from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. Um, you know, this is a guy that uh, over the last couple of years has kind of started that national championship conversation at Cincinnati, and uh, he's really put that program – uh at a high level um i was i was intrigued that he went to wisconsin i understand um you know his ties uh, to that area and and you know it's a great school and it's a great program to to coach and if you ever watch a game at wisconsin it looks like a really cool environment for a, for a college football game um but uh going back to where you started this topic Wayne at Auburn that one that's the one that surprises me the most uh with Hugh Freeze them taking taking such a risk um so and putting is that,
0: that going to be your weirdest coaching hire that would be my weirdest without so a doubt we'll pause that one we'll pause yeah. that one that one's a couple blocks down but my best coaching hire in my opinion because you're going that route uh is Hugh Freeze uh, Cause here's the thing, I can't be hypocritical, no pun intended. Uh, but when when Tennessee's job was open, I was on, I, I was in the freezer. I was Mister Freeze. I, <laughs> I had all those pictures on my Facebook, my Twitter. So you're Mister Freeze, huh? Yeah, and 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 I don't want to say that this is everybody's opinion or that it should be yours or anybody's. But to me, I'm about what happens yard line to yard line, sideline to sideline for 60 minutes and Hugh Freeze has documented record of taking Jimmys and Joes and beating Alabama. He took an Ole Miss squad that had been – Lane Kiffin inherited a a beat-up vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. Hugh Freeze, it had a salvage title, didn't have a spare, engine was knocking. There was all kinds of problems, and he took Bo Wallace and beat Alabama a couple years, back-to-back went to Tuscaloosa Beetle. So to me, he has documented success in the conference. So I thought he was a no-brainer at a couple different stops. Auburn, in their reckless abandon, that they basically owe people like 60 or $70 million not to coach right now, Gus Malzahn and now Brian Harson. I think they went out on a whim and said, listen, if it's going to cost us, at least we can win. And I think Hugh Freeze, what he's done at Liberty, really making them uh, in that conference a pretty good power year in and year out. I like that. I like that hire. I, I think, you know, they talk about it, you know, maybe he can't run his own social media or maybe uh, you know, it's going to have to be, there's all these checks and balances. Cool. I think the path to redemption is having those barriers put in place. And so, like I said, they found success with Bruce Pearl post an NCAA issue. He's taken them to a final four in basketball. They have a, uh, a an alumni base that'll pay whatever money it takes, and so to me, uh, uh what is, what's his name, Hugh Freeze at Auburn is my best hire. I, I like that hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then talk about for you, what is the worst coaching hire so far?
1: So you know, I you know my my concern was Hugh Freeze. Okay, and and it and to your point, to your point. This is a have guy
0: you a little bit.
1: No, you a little bit. You did. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is a guy who can, who can beat Alabama. And, and if you're an Auburn tiger fan, um, if you went to the university of Auburn, we, Wayne, you and I have friends that, that went to that university. And, uh, that is one of the most important games is beating, is being that team in the state of Alabama. So this is a guy that could potentially do that. Um, his record of, Thirty-nine and twenty-five, including vacated wins, in five years as head coach at Ole Miss. Um, that that's an appeal. Um, he had a thirty-one and fifteen record uh, at Liberty. So so that so that goes towards your argument as well. Um, uh, but you know, uh, mine mine would probably be uh, the uh, Jeff Brom hire is 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 the I felt like. Uh, was the, was the
0: hire, was the
1: worst hire. Uh, I, I think for Brom, it's uh, – I
0: was going to ask you, is it a worse hire for Brom or Louisville? I
1: think it's a worst hire for uh, Louisville, uh, not necessarily oh, Brom. So, so the, way, the angle I'm taking here is I think Brom took this job because the expectations aren't going to be go, go win us a national championship. Um, I think Brom has – you know, he went to Purdue – Um, and I think he, you know, he's been to multiple bowl games in the six, in his six years at Purdue. Uh, he won a West title in 22. Uh, he does have an electric offensive set that, that he's used over the years, but nothing that's got him into that, that spotlight for, for national attention. Um, and I think he's okay with that. I think he goes to Louisville and I think he has a successful career down there and, um, never makes it to a college football playoff. But uh, uh, that may be what he's looking for, and that may be what Louisville's satisfied with.
0: Well, and we've talked about it. Uh, you know, native son uh, winning eight to ten ball games a year, stabilizing a program at certain institutions—that's a win. They take that. They uh, they can fill the seats, they can sell the jerseys, they can have concession prices up, and from that, it's uh, anything above that's kind of gravy from there. Uh, I'm going to go a little different route. Not, not, I know you have uh, Baltimore Raven roots, so <laughs> I, I, this has nothing to do with them. I'm going to say the worst hire is Trent Dilfer to UAB, and it's not anything against Dilfer's ability as a player or even maybe as a coach, but it's the fact that he's never coached in the college game, and now he's a head football coach of a college program. He's never recruited at the college level. He's never so much as coordinated the college level. The last time he was on campus, he was getting great cards. And so to me, uh, can you build a staff around him that that can get him there? Maybe. Uh, But I think UAB is a tough one just because you're in that Alabama hierarchy. You know, UAB is actually governed by the University of Alabama. And so uh, to me, it's a stretch. Is it a jersey seller? Is it a... Uh, you can get the hype up for year one? Yes. Is it a long-term uh, – it, well, it's a feast or famine type hire, in my opinion. He's either – you're going to hit – strike gold with this one, and it's going to be like a – I'm trying to think of like a Mike Leach who never played college football but all of a sudden just had the, the skills, uh, or it's going to be one of those, oh, that's why people usually go through the coordinator route.
1: Yeah. And and to your point, when Bill Clark announced his retirement and they put Brian Vinson in as an interim coach at UAB, you know, this year he went six and six. So part of me thought that, you know, they would just make him the long term. You know, he was a he was a player's he's a player's coach. So I thought they were going to pull, you know, that Notre Dame move and say, hey, we're going to this guy's a this guy's a player's coach. We'll make him the head ball coach.
0: Yeah. And that, that interim tag, that's a hard one to overcome, which will kind of take us to our last uh, coaching type, uh, type topic and really kind of get us to the closing uh, piece of the show. But what is your weirdest coaching hire? Uh, uh, And and again, I don't know that we're done because again, Braum leaving allows Purdue uh, to maybe, maybe rise to this occasion, but uh, uh, who you got? So I thought the, you know,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Matt Rooley uh, hire uh, to replace Scott Frost at Nebraska. Um, the only the only reason why I, I put him as my weirdest coaching hire, this is a guy that, uh, you know, he was 19 and 20 at Baylor in three seasons, okay? Um, he, he has that ex-NFL, he, you know, he was a Carolina Panthers coach for a while. Um, he comes from that, Program that was disastrous with Art Browse. Um, you know, and they just, you know, Nebraska just kind of brought brought uh, brought their oldest boy home and made him head football coach and Scott Frost, and that was a disaster. Um, and they're they're trying to recover from that. So um, I thought that when that when that happened, I looked for them to go with a, uh, you know, with maybe a Deion Sanders or maybe to go with a Luke Fickle. Um, to go with somebody that has built a stable program um, and not not have a lot of question marks out there. So that's my weirdest coaching hire.
0: You, you're going to, like, I just hope that that table's not far away from your jaw because it may hit just right there. <laughs> uh, my weirdest coaching hire, my opinion, because I just, there's so many question marks, and I, I know the glitz and glamour that is Deion Sanders, that is Coach Prime. Is uh is appealing to a lot, and I think he's going to be able to get players. I, I don't doubt that. But Colorado, the Buffaloes, <laughs> uh, I don't think Dion wants to be anywhere close to Ralphie when he runs out, and uh, mm-hmm. he's going to be right there close to him. But to me, it's just a it's a weird marriage. It's almost like uh I, I don't know. It's like a what what's one of those staged marriages back in like the olden days, right? <laughs> uh, it's the girl you got to marry because it's what the book says, but it's I just don't know that it works because I mean I'm I'm gonna tell you three years ago, three years ago, he was at Catholic high school as the offensive coordinator of a Texas high school. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even the head coach of that Texas high school. He's playing Knox Catholic. Now they smoke Knox Catholic, and that's cool. But what I'm getting at is he wasn't even to the level of Trent Dilfer three years ago. Mm-hmm. Trent Dilford's got two state championships in the state of Tennessee with Lipscomb Academy. So to me, yes, he goes to Jackson state and he, he completely uh, changed the culture, but I will say Jackson state is a, an established HBCU and within that conference was already kind of a, a historic program, right? Right. Uh, they had the bones to do what he did oh, yeah. there. Really? he, he probably I did I know he got the number one player in the country that that uh, Hunter Walker or whatever his name was yeah Brandon Hunter or something mm-hmm. but and he's going to go to Colorado with it to me this is eerily similar in a different time than Lane Kiffin when he was at Tennessee mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is is who came to Tennessee year one Lane Kiffin see see your fandom here right. Who's the number one overall player that Lane got his first year? His only. Year? Well, he we got uh, New Keys Richardson, right? Bryce Brown.
1: Bryce he, Brown. New Keys, right.
0: too. But Bryce Brown was number one player. Yeah. Okay. Year two, Lane's at USC. Bryce Brown leaves and goes to K State. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He is going to be able to get players to go play for Coach Prime. Yeah. He's not going to sell coming here to play for Colorado. He's not going right. to sell. Playing for the university or getting your uh, because he is he's been known to say I don't want them thinking about nil I want them to think of NFL and right. to me that's a that's a very that's that's firing gasoline right next to each other because what's going to happen is because just like he did to Jackson State he was all bought in till the money showed mm-hmm. and so he's I guarantee you it's going to be that situation for a couple years things might be up. But then as soon as a, a Big Ten, an SEC, or somebody says, hey, you can do it there. You ever thought about coming here? And then they're going to be left in shambles looking at three or four coaches in a five-year period. And so, to me, it's great for prime. Money goes up. Uh, he talked about elevated versus terminated. He definitely – he elevated. He came into a Power 5 school. But I think he's going he's gonna to get tired of looking at livestock uh, out of his office window. I think he's going to get tired of say, of honestly, an alumni base that can't feed the the money. He's going to say, "I need to go to this bowl game or I need to do this," and he's either going to have to pay for it out of his pocket because they can't even pay his paycheck. So there's there's definite baggage with that hire. And and I think Prime, uh, although he's he's cool, uh, maybe probably on the Mount Rushmore athletically of all time. Uh, he, Bo Jackson. Uh, those type of people that can play multiple professional sports, um, but I think he's uh he's going to try to rule the roost, and I think in power five football, uh, it's not smart to do that. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I. You know, the only thing that I'll add to that, Wayne, um, I don't disagree. I think that I think that he's a guy. I, I think you did a really good job of of comparing him to Lane Kiffin in his first year at Tennessee. Um, I think he's a guy that. You know, let's let's be honest. I think he's going to have some success in his first year at Colorado. I think, um, you know. I mean, they were 1-11.
0: Year- I don't know that they've got anywhere yeah. to go. Yeah, I,
1: I think that he's probably going to make a make a move. He's going to bring guys with him. He's going to clear out um, a lot of these guys that aren't bought into his system. And he's going to win some ball games that maybe he shouldn't win. And that's going to cause a lot of stir. But will he be there long term? Um, or is this just a short-term assignment before he jumps to a bigger school. And and then we get to see what he's really capable of when you have to coach at a big school like a Texas A&M, a Florida. Uh, you, can,
0: uh, you can mark this down today, uh, the seventh day of December, year in our Lord 2022. Uh, if he has any level of success at uh, Colorado, and uh, I like that little graph on the back of your notebook there, uh, sure. But uh, uh, if he has any level of success at Colorado, and Mike Norvell so much as slips on a banana peel, <laughs> he'll be the next head football coach at Florida State. Yeah, just put it. Out there. But uh, but Ben, we have ne- we have definitely exceeded my thirty minute what I expected us to do. But what we're going to do is every episode we're going to have closing comments and and we're going to call it this week's big time grinding. It's really what's ticking you off. This week about uh, sports, in sports, about sports. It can be Tennessee. It's where I'm going to go. Uh, but just uh, what you got to say, kind of closing out, really just opening week of bowl prep, and uh, and really, what's your big time grind?
1: So my big time grind is Hendon Hooker getting snubbed for the Heisman Trophy. This is this is one that I'm going to to struggle with. Um, this is a guy just to read off some some stats, just to put it out there. Uh, he's the captain of the number one total offense, 540, and scoring offense, 46.5. Number three in FBS and QB passer rating at 175. I'm not going to get in all of these, but I think it's very important. Um, 31 touchdown leads, yeah, leads the nation and wins over current CFP top seven teams with two and combined for 736 yards of total offense, seven touchdowns, defeated current number five LSU and then, well, Alabama. Um, And then, you know, he accounted for 3,565 yards of total offense, 32 touchdowns this season, okay? And this is a guy that with the Heisman Trophy, when I was growing up, they used the word – integrity. Whenever this word, whenever this award was discussed, um, a man of character, a man who shows that character on the field, but then uh, displays it off the field as well. And, he, and right. he's done so much for uh, the community. Um, and then going back to just briefly Wayne on the Heisman trophy um, in the past, you've got Bryce Young, Devonte Smith, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. It's become a popularity contest. Um, is what yeah, if
0: you're not I'm playing in the big-time bowls, I, I don't know that you can be a Heisman Trophy winner anymore.
1: So it's just uh, I hate it for him because of what he has accomplished, where he, what he has come from, and what his character and what his morals are. Um, I hate it as a Tennessee fan. It's just going to take a while for me to grind that one off my shoulder, buddy.
0: I hear you. Mine's in the Tennessee uh, house, but it's, it's more at the head coaching ranks. Uh, Josh Heupel named the AP and the SEC Coach of the Year, uh, which to me is a pretty distinguished honor uh, nationally. Uh, he didn't even make the list for the uh, AP National Coach of the Year. Uh, Kirby Smart's on that list. Not to say he shouldn't be. Uh, he, he graduated 30-plus kids, uh, had a ton of draft picks, and still, uh, still went through the undefeated season again this year, playing for another national championship. So I'm not, I'm not disputing that Kirby should be on the list. I just don't know how you leave Josh off of it. Uh, took Tennessee to ten wins. Uh, here's a stat that I love to to tell everybody that uh, that'll listen. Uh, Tennessee is facing Clemson uh, this this bowl season, uh, which means in one calendar season, like one year, this this season. We, we have faced the last four national champions, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. And here's the kicker. Here's why Josh Heupel should be on that list. If we beat Clemson, we're 3-1 and one against that bunch. So, uh, to me, um, the proof's in the pudding. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can look good, and, and I still go back to – I'm not sure that you and I couldn't score about 20 points if we had all the five stars Kirby had. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I just think, really and truthfully, uh, you tell a couple of them defensive linemen that it's an all-you-can-eat buffet if they get a sack a piece. Yeah. Uh, you tell, you know, you tell that quarterback if you don't, you don't throw, you know, X number of yards and so many touchdowns, then I'm gonna pull your nil money. I mean, uh, it's easy. I mean, I think uh, at Georgia, it's literally a video game, and mm-hmm. so uh, I think what Josh Heupel's done with still a limited roster. Uh, you lose your number one preseason receiver very early on and then jalen Hyatt just picks the slack up uh hinden hooker uh even though he had a very strong year finished to the season a year ago uh, came in this season more of a leader more prepared more ready to take that next step and and that's coaching and so uh, it all starts at the top if the blame is going to start at the top i think the praise has to as well so that's my that's my big time grind this week but uh Kind of closing comments. Uh, We're going to take a week about. Uh, Basically, next week, we're going to hit that first weekend of bowl games. Uh, We're going to try to drop one about every Wednesday, Thursday. That's going to be the target, Uh, you know, through this season. You know, again, uh, Ben and I both have family, so it could be different different suspects each week, but we're going to try to get a grind on sports episode out uh, every week through this bowl season. And and then again, uh, when we kick off 2023, Maybe turn to the hardwood and talk a little Tennessee basketball, talk a little NCAA basketball. But uh, been, been fun. Uh, it's going to be just north of 50-minute uh, podcast. I don't know that many people uh, would listen to us all in one sitting, but that's why a podcast has that pause button. You can, you can chop it up.
1: There you go. Yeah. It's been an honor to sit here tonight and uh, talk through some of these predictions
0: and, and get ready for some bowl games coming up. I think uh, I think that's the it's a, it's the most wonderful time of the year for holidays it's also a good time for a sports fan but uh, you know what uh, that's been episode number one again we've talked about it uh, you can like follow us on Facebook and Twitter YouTube you you can subscribe uh, get notifications when we hit the uh, hit the airwaves or we upload a video but uh, thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're on YouTube and until next time grind on.